All right. If you have a Bible and you want to turn there, you can go to Luke 2. If you don't, you can watch on the screen. We've got some prompts to follow um, that'll help you stick, stay, stay with us. So I'm going to read from uh, verses 10. It says, And the angels said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy. Everybody say, Great joy. That'll be for all people. For unto us is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. This is where we get the song Joy to the World from. Because the angels announced that this son that was born unto us will bring us great joy. So we're in a season of Christmas called the Advent season. And the, the Latin word Advent literally just means the coming. So it's almost like it's the anticipation of the, 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 the leading up to the coming of Christ. Now, for those of you who might be concerned about uh, something, I know Jesus wasn't born on the 25th of December, okay? But it's still okay for us to just worldwide decide that we're going dis- to celebrate that day together on a particular day. And what day in the year is better than 25th of December? Well, I don't know. Maybe there is one, but right now we've decided on 25 December as humankind and God has given us as humankind decision right to make certain decisions. So if mankind decided to celebrate that birthday, at least there is a birthday that we're celebrating together in unity as the body of Christ. Come on. So don't hold back from celebrating Jesus this Christmas season. Claim this season for our, for our King, for our Christ. And, uh, and, and have, the, have all the benefit that comes from celebrating the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? So during this first like 24 days of, of December, uh, we're anticipating the coming. Well, well we're celebrating the, the first coming of Jesus as we're anticipating the second coming of Christ. Because how many of you know that he's coming back, y'all? He's coming back, and when he comes back, he's coming for his own. That means you and I. It doesn't matter how broke down you are at the time when he comes, he's coming for you. He's the restorer of broken goods. Thank God, because I was broken, and he put me back together again. Esther said, we all have stuff. I have stuff. Everybody has stuff. It's just that some of us have learned what to do with our stuff. Some of you are still figuring out what to do with all your stuff. The answer lies in this king called Jesus Christ. And how to practically give our stuff to him is what Christianity is all about. It's about learning the, the, the amazing principles that he had made available to us, that he had given us knowledge of so that we don't have to carry our stuff for our whole life. It's so that he can help us deal with our stuff. But we're so good at taking our stuff and telling Jesus, I got this. I'm going to figure this out and then I'll come and serve you again. It's like Jesus is saying, let me figure that out for you. If you will let me in in the beginning of the process, you'll see so much faster resolution of everything. Welcome, you guys. Um, Anybody in the room glad Jesus came? My goodness. How different would life not be without Christ? Even in the Old Testament, right, the people who believed in God didn't get to experience the glory of God like we do. They didn't get to experience Christ indwelling us. 
rebirthing our spirit so that we are alive now, even though we're not in eternity yet, we're experiencing a part of eternity by having our lives made right with him. Not by our works, but by our faith. That disposition we find ourselves in, it's a conditional position. It, it says that you're not in that position without, you cannot be in that position without a specific condition. And that condition is righteous, holy. You cannot be in the presence of God without the holiness of God on your life. See how impossible it is for religion to be an answer? Religion tells you you have to do all this good. You have to prove yourself right. You have to prove yourself good or worthy or acceptable so that one day God might go, mm, you did enough. You can come in. But the gospel says, no, you will never be able to match the holiness of God. And so he had to come and do it on our behalf. And so if we will put our faith and trust in him, we get granted that disposition. It gets given to us because of our faith. Like the Bible says of Abraham, because he believed God, he was counted as being forgiven, as being righteous. How many of y'all know Abraham was a messed up man? Man, he gave his wife away twice for crying out loud. He was not the wisest of blokes, but he had one thing down, and that is trust God. Trust God. Every time he took matters into his own hands, he messed up, and he messed up for eternity almost. <laughs> Remember he made Ishmael? And today those two nations are still fighting. Ishmael and, Israel and, 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 and Isaac are still fighting, and we're all being pulled into that fight. My goodness, thank you, Abraham. But then thank you, Abraham, for showing us the right way as well. In Ishmael and Isaac we is represented religion and the gospel. And each and every one of us want to walk with the gospel of Jesus Christ, who is the son of promise. That's the son of grace. We're in a possibility without no human effort, we were given that gift. The presence of Jesus produces the present of joy. Think about that. Psalm 16 verse 11 says this, You make known to me the path of life, and in your presence is fullness of joy. It's in God's presence where we find fullness of joy. And in fact, the moment we walk out of God's presence, we start experiencing a whole bunch of other things. And the further away we walk from God's presence, the worse it becomes for us. God's presence has fullness of joy. Like you cannot climb into a swimming pool and not get wet. You cannot get into the presence of God and not start feeling the joy of the Lord. It is part and parcel. It is germane to the presence of God. Where have you been living is my question. If you're not with joy, if you do not have joy, have you maybe been walking outside or away from or contradicting the presence of God. The Bible says sin brings separation. When we do things that the Holy Spirit is not glad with, it grieves him. And it's like he distances just a little bit. It's not that he leaves us, but that we experience that, that sudden separation between us and him. And if we stay in that condition for too long, very soon we will try and do things to get it back instead of doing what the Bible teaches, repent. 
repent. Stop doing what we've been doing. Turn from what we've been planning. Turn from what we've tried to accomplish in our own effort and start following the way that the Bible describes. Then we will step right back into God's presence and the peace of God and the joy of God will again be abounding in our lives because joy is the birthright of every single believer. The kingdom of God is described as being that of righteousness. In other words, it's a standing before God that you cannot work for. And then of peace and of joy in the Holy Spirit. The kingdom of God, walking in the kingdom of God, operating in the kingdom of God, has you operating from a place of right standing before God where you are certain of your salvation. And as a result of that, much peace and rest comes to your soul because you don't have to perform anymore to be accepted. And out of that flow just an incredible joy. An incredible joy. I am accepted. I am forgiven. I am a son. I am a daughter of the Most High. I'm family with God. And because I'm family, my birthright is the joy of the Lord. He grants it with my disposition, with my salvation. So it says here that the Holy Spirit is the one that produces the fruit of joy in our hearts. And it says that the Bible is, the book, is a book of joy. In the 66 books of the Bible, joy is mentioned over 200 times. And then if you add different other words like rejoice and like we're going to look at now, the, the oil of gladness, it just, com- just bursts open that, 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 that ceiling. The Bible is full of joy. And reading the Bible should bring you joy. And if you're still reading the Bible but feel condemned by it, then you've yet to understand the difference between the conviction of the Holy Spirit and the condemnation of the enemy. Satan would love you to hate the Bible. He would love you to not want to read the Bible because in it is fullness of joy. In it is strength. And so he tries his best to to show you that you're still not enough, that you still have to perform, that you still have to do more good before you'll be accepted. And when you're living in that mindset, you look at the Bible and all it tells you is your shortcomings. But you operate in a new covenant thinking and you read that Bible and it tells you who you've become. It tells you you're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. It tells you you're forgiven, you've been set free, you've been empowered, and you've been elevated above sin. Sin can no longer determine your destiny because the blood of Jesus Christ washed your sin away. And the only reason why we're still dealing with sin is because in our broken earthen vessel, we wouldn't still see the sanctification happen. The full the full, like, like full circle come, my spirit man, my soul man, my, my, my physical man, all needs to be redeemed. But I'm justified. And with that comes incredible joy. Listen to what the Bible says of Christ Jesus. Psalm 45 verse 7 is one of those prophetic psalms that pointed to Jesus. He says, you have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond your companions. Jesus was the most joyful person that existed. 
in, in, in Isaiah 61, Jesus uh, is it, also a prophecy of Jesus, and Jesus quotes this, this, uh, um, this chapter and these verses um, of himself in the New Testament. He says, this is, I am, I have been anointed to preach the good news to the lost, right? And so then in verse 3, it says this, I have been anointed to grant to those who are mourning in Zion, to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning. How many of you are in a position where you feel like, man, I'm just, I'm, I'm mourning. I'm suffering, I'm struggling. I'm, I'm, uh, it's, it's not going well with me. Jesus wants to give you a completely new dress, a completely new I don't want to say dressing because, you know, dressing is just such a misconstrued concept, you know, because where I come from, dressing is something you pour over, right? But over here, dressing is something you put in rice and meat or something like that. It's, it's made out of rice and meat, which does not make sense because how do you use salad dressing and every single, you, every, and then all of a sudden you want to do rice dressing and there's nothing to pour over. You might, you might sprinkle it, you know, but, but that's just gross. It's kind of like, you know. Scoop that thing. <laughs> Jesus wants to dress you, my point of view, with the oil of gladness. The oil of gladness. He wants to change your situations. But first, before he changes your external, he wants to change something in here. He wants to change something deep, deep, deep inside you. Look. Nothing you do is going to fix here. You need to submit to him. He fixes internal. Hear what he says, why? I'll give you the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, that they may be called oaks of righteousness the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. Your life being recovered, your life being healed, your life being stabilized, every part of that is glory unto God. God wants to see you well. But you've got to let him. You've got to let him take the reins. All the plans that you have for yourself, they're not going to lead to what you need. God doesn't just care about how you're doing morally, whether you're doing things right or wrong, whether you're sinning or not sinning. He doesn't just care about that. He cares about your emotions as well. He cares about your soul. He cares that it goes well with your soul. He does. What father is not concerned with the well-being of their children? And it's not just about whether they had food in their bellies. It's also about whether they have peace and joy in their hearts. Every good father on earth tries to bring joy to their family. And, and, and let me just say, every good parent on earth tries to bring joy to their family. How will a good father, whom, from whom the Bible says no one in, on earth, humanly speaking, is good, only God is good, how will he not be concerned about your total well-being? He wants you to walk like he was able to walk 
with the oil of gladness more than all of your companions. I pray for my children that they will have joy, that they won't walk around um, with heaviness on their souls about things. I fight for that. If I see the slight little little bit of, you know, just downcastness in, in, their, in their faces, I'm on it. Now, I'm not like a, why are you like, I'm not like that. I'm not a helicopter parent at all. But I am engaged. I ask. And I don't ask dumb questions that get dumb answers. I'm careful. I go in there. I just tata a little bit. You know, just maybe tickle them a little or, you know, I just, I just try to reach them first and, and then I ask the question, hey, you know, you can tell me anything, right? You know, I want to learn about everything about you, right? Is there something on your heart that you feel you want to say to dad? And then usually there is just, you know, just a little. <laughs> and then I go, all right, let me hear it. Let me hear it. And then they say, sometimes they say something like, I can't find my shirt. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's just beautiful. But then every now and then, an important thing comes out. And you know what? I would, I would get, I would, I would, I would be patient with 50. I don't find my shirts. And like, let me come and help you. So long as I am there, when one day they say to me, my, 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 my friend at school hurt me, betrayed me. I want to be there when that happens. So I'll take whatever the other ones are. Let me say this to you. God, a thousand and hundred and everything that you can put numbers on before that times more wants to hear the small things in your heart. Lord, I just, I feel tired today. Lord, I just don't have the energy that I had yesterday. God, I'm sorry I didn't make all that I wanted to do today. So that he is there when you one day tell him, Lord, I want to give up. I want to give up. Can't do this anymore. He wants to be there. He's, he's concerned with your soul. He's concerned with your joy. What's the difference then between joy and happiness? Because so often we think that, you know, um, when we go through tough times, that, you know, joy has left us, that we can't be joyful. I want to say to you that, you can be joyful no matter what season you are going through. And here's why. Happiness is triggered by an external experience, but joy is triggered by an internal condition, an internal disposition. Happiness is what we experience. So much of what we're experiencing in Christmas is actually, actually happiness. It's like, oh my goodness, thanks for some celebration. It's just a great time to be alive, and it's a great time to be you know, with family and But not everybody has the happiness of the season. Let me tell you this. You can still have the joy of the season. You might not have family that is all together and and reconciled. Or you might have some, you know, things about your work that is just rough and you're stressing yourself out right now. You might not feel the happiness of the season. But let me tell you, you can still have joy within this season because your joy is not determined on your circumstances. Your joy is determined on the internal condition of your heart. Who holds your heart determines whether you have joy or not. In the roughest of situations, you can still sit down and thank God that He 
holds your future in his hands. You are the portion of my inheritance and my lot. You have made my lot secure. You have made my lot secure. That's Psalm 16. You remember that verse. That's a joy-preserving verse. No matter what you're going through, your lot is secure with Jesus. The second reason is because happiness happens by chance or by occurrence. But happiness can happen by chance. Joy don't happen by chance. Joy happens by choice. Joy happens by choice. You have to decide to step into joy. Because it's available, you have to decide to take it and receive it for yourself. Philippians 4 says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. But listen to what it says after that. It says, let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. How does those verses connect? Rejoice in the Lord always. Let your reasonableness be known to man. You know what this says to me? It says to me that It's reasonable to have joy. It doesn't have to be something that you feel, oh, you know, I'm overwhelmed with happiness and so therefore I have joy. No, I can choose to have joy. You can, you can logically conclude that you have joy. It's reasonable. I can reason this thing out. So let your reasonableness be made known to those around you. You know what? Things are tough right now. But you know what? Because I'm a child of God. And because nothing can separate me from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. And because all things work together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purposes. I can still rejoice. So let your reasonableness in this season be known to all. Because the Lord is here. And because he's here, I can have joy. And I can say, and I can let joy come and lead me. Let joy be on my lips. Let joy be on my expression because it's reasonable. It makes sense to have joy because of the internal disposition that I have in Christ. And then it says, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything with prayer and, and supplication, which is asking, let your requests be made known to God. High emotions, low clarity. Low emotion, high clarity. Joy, as much as it is an emotion, it's not an emotional emotion. It's a reasonable emotion. It's based on a truth, not based on a feeling. And so because it's based on truth, I can conclude things. I can bank on it and I can make decisions based on it. I have joy. So I want to give you four reasons why you need to choose joy during this season. And remember, regardless of your circumstance, you can choose joy. The first one is joy is power. 
Nehemiah 8 verse 10. Nehemiah is building the temple, uh, sorry, rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem. And it's tough, man. They're getting opposition. In fact, there are people that are threatening their lives. They're getting death threats for it. And Jeremiah is encouraging people to continue to build and to continue to trust God and, and keep going with the assignment that he had given them. And that same encouragement is for us today. And then he says, because the joy of the Lord is your strength. If you keep your eye on Jesus and on the reality that he has created on the inside of your heart, then the joy of the Lord becomes strength. It becomes a force that propels you forward into God's purposes. So fight for joy. Choose joy. Every time you feel like, man, I'm, I'm losing my joy, you have, to, you have to almost catch yourself. I often tell my girls, hey, come on, catch your heart, catch your heart. Don't let your heart run away with you. Now choose joy. In my house, that's always a discussion. You want me to choose joy? Like, you know, or do I choose Ava? Or do I choose Gray? I mean, you know, it's... No, choose the joy of the Lord because it's power. And the enemy wants to come after your joy because he knows it makes us weak. He knows it makes us weak. So joy, your joy is always going to be an, an, um, an area of attack that the enemy tries to take you out in. Satan wants to steal your salvation. But he can't steal your salvation so first thing you'll try to do is convince you that you're not saved and you have to work harder for it. Okay, but once we've get gotten that out of the picture and he realizes he can't convince us we're not saved and he realizes that he can't steal our salvation, the second thing he does is he comes after our strength. He wants to render you non-influential. He wants to make you a non-threat. He wants to neutralize you. I try to be as dangerous to the enemy as I can. I try, to, I try to not give in to his desire for me to, to be a mediocre, non-effectual Christian. But that means that my joy gets attacked a lot. Because he's always trying to steal my strength and render me and neutralize me. And he does the same for each and every one of us. It's time we tell him that you can't have my joy. You can't have my joy any longer. I choose joy because it's my strength. It keeps me going. It thrusts me forward into the purposes of God. Let me say this to you. I want to declare something over you. You do not have to be a never-ending victim. You do not have to settle for the bottom of the bowl in everything in life. Choose joy and let God's strength enable you to fight for the victory that is already yours. The second reason why we choose joy is because it protects us. It protects us. We have a saying in um, Afrikaans. I'm sure it's, it exists in English as well. Um, but basically it says if the, if, the, if the cat is full, the milk tastes sour. Is there some, a similar kind of concept, in idiom in English? No? Okay. Poor English language. It's just so devoid of, you know, depth and culture. <laughs> but you get the idea, right? When the cat is full, when you put a bowl of milk in front of him, he just goes like. 
milk sour. He deems it sour. It could be the freshest milk in the world. But that cat don't drink it. Why? Because he's full. Joy fills you up. Joy fills you up. Listen to what uh, Proverbs 27 verse 7 says. A person who is full refuses honey. But even better foods taste sweet to the hungry. Even better food tastes sweet to the hungry. That means that when you lack joy, things like unforgiveness, distrust, offense, suspicion, bitterness, all tastes sweet. Because it promises you a solution to your situation. Albeit temporary, albeit fleeting, if you're hungry, if you're needy, Even things like bitterness, unforgiveness, offense, distress will taste sweet to you. Think, oh, if I can, I need to, I need to latch onto that because at least it's going to make me feel a little bit better about myself for this, for this moment. I need to lash out at that person right now, anger, because it's going to make me feel a little better. It promises a solution to you, but will leave you empty, angry, offended, and alone around the next corner. But when you have joy, you don't need any of that. You're fulfilled. You're not hungry. You're not needy. You're strong. Joy protects you. It protects you from unforgiveness. It protects you from offense. Joy protects you from offense. Listen to me, you are offended, not because of somebody, what somebody did, but because first, before you, have, before you can choose offense, you have to believe a lie about that person. You have to believe that he meant it for harm, and therefore, you take offense. But if you have joy in your heart, it don't matter what they do. The lie come, the, t- tells you what, and even if they did do it for, you know, offensive reason you still have a decision whether you will choose to be offended choose the offense choose the bitterness choose the anger or whether you will choose joy and if you choose joy it fills up your heart and normally you can extend forgiveness you can overlook an offense normally you can you can pray for that person even if they did what do something wrong to you in relationships, it's hard to, you know, to choose joy. Because when, when we're, you know, when we're let down and when we're, our expectation isn't reached in, in, in the relationship, we're, we're offended. And then we're, we're, we're looking for gratification. We're looking for something that can, that can soothe. It's legitimate. I understand that. We need soothing and comfort as humans. Some soothe themselves through a bottle. Some soothe themselves through another addiction. In fact, if you're addicted to something, it means that you need soothing. Something needs soothing in you. But if you have joy, you don't need what the world offers because the joy of the Lord soothes your soul. It fills you fulfills you joy promotes God 
That's the third reason why we choose joy. It makes God big. Joy leads to praise. Joy leads to us acknowledging his greatness. Joy leads to us talking about his goodness. Psalm 30, 11 to 12, and this is a promise to each and every one of us here today. You have turned my mourning into joyful dancing. How many of you, when we were singing that song, oh, I feel like dancing, you're going, I don't feel like dancing. (laughs) I feel like praising you. You need more joy. You need to choose joy. You know what's funny? is like that we would say, um, you know what, because I don't feel like it, you know, clapping my hands and raising my hands to honor God, um, you know, I shouldn't do it because it won't be, it won't be real, right? Because I didn't feel like it, so why would I do it if I don't feel like it? You do it because God is worth it, not because you like it. God deserves our praise, our honor, and our glory. It is more reasonable to lift up your hands in honor of Jesus and to clap your hands to honor Him when you don't feel like it than when you do feel like it. Think about this. In heaven, is there ever going to be anyone that does not want to worship God? How much more special is it when you acknowledge the worth of God? Because worship is a response to a revelation of God. I see something worthy in God and I go, wow. So when we're singing, we're not just entertaining. Sorry, we're not entertaining at all, to be honest. We're acknowledging worth and therefore we raise our hands and we, uh, uh, we, we uh, uh, sing it. We declare it. And we do it because he is worthy, not because it's fun. Now, can we do it in a fun way? Or you know, Absolutely, we can do it in a fun way. Um, you know, if you, if you would study the, the original language of Scripture, you see that God does some fun things when he thinks about us. Ephraim 3.17 says that he rejoices over you with singing. And the re- literal meaning of that word rejoice in that, in that Hebrew language means that he spins around with emotion when he thinks about you. God is crazy about you. And he expresses his joy about you. Why can't I express my joy about him? Come on, y'all. But I don't do it because I'm happy. I do it because he's worthy. He's worth it. He deserves it. And so even when I don't feel like it, I do it because he is worth it. Um, Joy promotes God. That was the point. All right, last point. Joy produces a perspective, man. Wow. Like I said, when you have high emotion, you have low clarity. But joy produces a godly perspective about life. Listen to what Habakkuk 3 says. Even though the fig trees have no blossoms, there's no grapes on the vines, the olive crop failed, fields lie empty and barren, the flock die, the cattle barns are empty, Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. What's he saying? God's going to save me out of this. He hasn't done it yet, but I'm going to be joyful about the fact that he's going to. That in the midst of this tragedy, he has me. 
He's going to bring me through it. Joy gives me perspective. Joy puts my head straight on my shoulders. It makes me assess my situation according to the, 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 the view of God. It makes me think through what I'm about to do and not make stupid decisions that will lead to further destruction in my life. The best time, no, wrong, wrong, wrong saying. If you find yourself in a hole, first thing you ought to do is stop digging. Some of us have dug ourselves so deep into a hole that we, we can't see the wood for the trees anymore. Just stop digging. Reach out your hands to Jesus and say, Jesus, I don't know what next, but I'm willing to just let it all go and let you save me. Save me, Jesus. I choose joy. I choose peace. I choose your righteous thinking. I choose you. I choose your ways. I know your ways will produce your outcomes. Life is 10% of what happens to you and 90% how you respond to it. We have been given the ability to choose joy. Let's all stand today. God, as we're celebrating the coming of your son, which was one of the most joyous moments in all of human history. In fact, it divided history into a before and an after. It stands out among happenings, among things that happen in the earth as, as the one thing that, that, that is recognized across the whole earth. As we celebrate that joyous moment, God, we know that sometimes we walk without joy. We step out of your guidance. We don't, we stop following you. And so we step out of your presence and we lose joy. We want to return to joy today, God. We want to, we want to say we're sorry. If you've been walking out of the presence of God, following your own path, and you want to repent today. Look, the reason why we need so many I'm not against counseling. Let me just say something. I'm not against counseling. I love counseling. But counseling is supposed to uh, bring you back into, uh, reintroduce you back into the normal way that you should manage your life. Never-ending counseling is not God's desire for you. But the reason why we need so much counseling is because we don't follow God's pattern for change, which is to repent to die to ourselves and to our plans and to our things and to submit ourselves to Jesus, to break, to die, figuratively speaking, to our own plans and ideas, to our own pride. Because we don't want to die to our own pride, we hold on to this thought that I am okay. I am, I am right in myself. And I need to fight for my rightness. No, you don't need to fight for your rightness. You need to accept God's rightness. It's time to repent. Only when you repent and you let go of the one thing does your hands open up to grab a hold of joy, to grab a hold of God's hands and let Him lead you. God has a joyful life for you. But you need to say, Lord, 
I let go. If that's you today, if you want to let go, let go and take a hold of Jesus. While every eye is closed and every head is bowed and busy with Jesus, just raise your hand right there where you are. I'm letting go, Jesus. I'm letting go of my plans. I'm letting go of my ways. I'm letting go of my pride. I'm letting go of my way of life. Thank you. I see those hands as they're going up. I see you there at the back, sir. God, you see every hand raised. You see every heart acknowledging your, your, your Lordship. You are our answer, God. the Holy Spirit just spend a moment with you just ask him is there anything Lord that you want to say to me right now fix anything but the power of the Lord can but it requires us to submit to him somebody did something to you and you felt offended by it. You can hang on to that. And it'll lead you down a crazy road of self-destruction. Or you can choose to forgive them. You can choose to let it go. You can choose to put them in the hands of God and let Him deal with them then that will release you of the responsibility to change that person. To let that person know that he was wrong. You are released from it. You don't have to carry that burden anymore. Sometimes we think like, well, if I, if I let go of this, then he, this person will just continue to, to do this. And then you carry that burden. It's not yours to bear. It's not yours to bear. Let that person go. Forgive them. Put them in the hands of God and ask God to deal with them. He is a God of justice. He deals with people. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you for your joy. God, we choose your joy today.